sounds like Nether's flat, bitch. <laughs> Natter splat. 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 So today we are going to talk about two subjects that I am a big fan of. Um, one will be one. I guess many people would be a fan of, but not everybody. So we'll talk about alcohol today. Mm-hmm. Giants, but I want to talk about alcohol first. Okay. So let's start like easy. Do you enjoy a beverage? How often do you drink? Would you say? I That's a loaded question, yeah. you. I feel <laughs> you're gonna get judgment for it more than I will. Oh, but I don't know. I think we're gonna be two cultures. I don't know, but we're in Europe. Like drinking is like a part of many of the cultures out here. So. Yeah, I think it's a lot more accepted than it is in the Americas. You know, that's just be, more casual. They'll be quicker here. to call you an alcoholic. Like an American may look at you if you're drinking a beer at three o'clock in the afternoon with some sort of idea that you're an alcoholic. Mm. While I don't think that's the th- first thought for a British person. You know, maybe if you're wasted, but I think it's more acceptable in general. Mm. Well, my drinking goes through in cycles, I think. So sometimes I'll drink a lot for a little while. Mm. And then I'm like, that's getting a bit much. It's getting a bit habitual. <laughs> so I'll, I'll knock that back a little while, you know? Oh, uh, sure. So before Christmas, I, I enjoyed the red wine. Yeah, uh, yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. And then I was like, I think I've had too much red wine for a while, so. But in Prague, like, were you getting, like, Czech red wine and, like... I found a bottle that was really cheap that I quite liked. <laughs> And I bought one, just I said, that's cheap, let's try it. And I liked it. So I bought 10 bottles. Sometimes it works out like that. Like sometimes the cheap wine out here is Yeah, it was was a nice find. But I'm, you know, in Prague, you're now, you're going to drink beer. Yeah. This is the only place that I drink beer, actually. Like, German beer is okay. Dutch beer, eh. Belgian beer, eh. Mexican beer, though. Okay, Mexican beer and Czech beer. No, but even Mexican beer is still kind of, like, categorized the same for me, but, like, it's the preferable of them all. But the one beer I can actually consume and get a buzz and, like, not feel full is Czech beer. Like, this is my number one beer in the Mm -hmm. whole world is here. I'm pretty sure the Czech Republic is the nation that drinks the most beer, or at least has won that award before if it's not this year. In close competition with, with they have the Germany Germans right next door. and Belgium, probably uh, probably there. They, I don't think anywhere takes the title for most alcohol. I think consumption Russia, per person. I think that's Russia. I think might win that because that's vodka. <laughs> I, think. I wonder what the facts of that would be. Like, what nation consumes? I'm gonna look that up. <laughs> France, I guess, consumes the most alcohol. Like most alcohol, other than the top country by GDP and also has an above average life expectancy for people that drink alcohol. What's that? Per capita? Um, so, okay, so my assumption on this is going to be based on what they are drinking because the French are so known for their wine and then also like red wine is known to be not so bad, like red wine has beneficial um, aspects to it as well. So I'm going to go ahead and say that's why France drinks the most and has a longer than uh, an above average life expectancy as well. Because I, I would have to, I, my assumption on that is 
based on red wine specifically. I thought that was like one glass a week for the antioxidants. No, but then how much would you say like the average, the average British person would drink? Probably like a glass of beer or a beer with dinner at night or something like that. But maybe one or two, same with a glass of wine, one or two, half a bottle, Mm -hmm. save the next half bottle for the next night, you know? Because like that's what I do when I'm going through my phases of drinking too. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they can be heavier or lighter. Well, I think culture towards alcohol, as most people know, British people have a very bad reputation for alcohol. Because like, it's when, funny, like, because we share the, like things in common with that. Like, British and American tourists are always like so looked down upon, like eight times out of ten. And like you hear them before you see them, they're the ones that are always causing a ruckus. And like, I don't know what it is that makes us party the same because the alcohol influence. For our country is very different. We have to wait till we're 21 versus like you guys can... What's your legal drinking age? 18. Has it always been? Like, wasn't it 16 at some point? Because in I know in Europe, in most of Europe, it's 16. Holland just raised it to 18 like well, it depends a what year you or two ago. You can have a glass of wine with dinner in a pub with your parents, I think, at 16. And you can have a drink at home, I think, from five years old. What? I think so. In El Paso, Texas, you can bring your kid to the bar with you as long as they're 13 or older. <laughs> I think that's how it should be, right? Yeah. This idea of like, oh, stringent 18. Now, that makes sense in some bars. You don't really want kids. Mm. That's why it shouldn't be every bar. But surely how it used to work was your dad would take you down the pub. You'd kind of meet his friends. You'd maybe have one or two beers. And if you acted like a fool after two beers, like your dad's not going to bring you back to the pub. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of learn to ingratiate yourself within that culture, I guess. And if you're withheld from that and then you just go fucking crazy when you get to 18, then you act like... That That I feel is like the cross that Americans have to bear. Is like, it's like, uh, it's so restricted until you're 21 and then when people are finally able to drink, they go buck wild with it and do 21 shots of fucking booze to the dome on their mm-hmm. 21st birthday and like get alcohol poisoning from overdoing it so like that I don't think works in a culture like I love that and like it because my mind put the correlation together when I came to Europe it blew my mind like the first music festival I went to out like in Belgium and like I saw these like three like 15 16 year old kids like all like there's like three young guys hanging on each other all drunk and like like talking to each other and like all loving on each other and i was like oh my god they're wasted and they're like 16 it blew my mind but then i feel like introducing it to kids at a younger age then you get a a better understanding for it a tolerance for it you go through your things with it like earlier faster and then Mm -hmm. and i also feel like if it's more accepted people don't take it for granted as much. But if you're trying mm-hmm. to keep it away from people, that's when people misuse it more so. Mm-hmm. Well, ultimately, it is it is bad for you. You typically don't make better decisions on it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you, even if you don't kill yourself through the, the liver damage or something, you can do something dumb while you're you're drunk. So maybe in a, in a future, you can imagine people would look back and go, why did people drink poison that made their brain funny? And people would go, we don't know. I guess they weren't evolved enough to sort of find happiness without it. And you could look at it that way. But I mean, I think as as civilization has gone on, it's been almost an integral part of European culture. And the the idea that it lowers your inhibitions and social 
inhibitions kind of makes the places that drink quite funny. And there's a lot of people who drink who are funny because they don't mind laughing at themselves because their social inhibitions have been lowered. Mm. And you could argue that alcohol has a, an effect on culture in the long run and you can't just withdraw it. But maybe maybe the future is to sort of, we, you know, we don't need it. We'll enjoy fine wine without the alcohol, what do you think? Well, I don't know, because I, I, I lean more towards wine in just the sense that, like, it's just a fermented fruit, essentially. Like, there's less processing put into wine than there is to make a beer or a booze. Depends on the booze, though. So, like, I don't know, just naturally fermented thing, like, things that can be naturally fermented and drank and, like, enjoyed in that sense. But then there's all, because, I don't know, I'm a bit of a open-minded person when it comes to drugs as well and, like, the, like... I, I tend to like the things that are more natural versus the things that are more, have more. Synthetic. Yeah, put together more ingredients. in them. I mean, I guess nothing's as pure as it, it was, but nothing ever goes bad. I mean, if you think about a beer in a can, everyone is the same. You know, every, like that ability to get conformity across such volume is kind of impressive, really. You know, you get your favorite wine, it's always the same, or at least. It's not with wine, because I guess the years, sort of, they're different. You know, people say this was a good year, this was a bad year, but people don't say that about the beer, right? You expect your uh, kind of Stella Artois to taste the same this year as it will. Yeah, no, and that brings, like, that's a really good lead-in into a theory that I have, so... Like, I'm super in love with wine from, like, 2011 to 2013 are, like, the best years for me. And, like, anything before that is, I don't, I would, well, I don't know. Then it's probably out of my price range. But <laughs> then, it's, then it's getting really expensive if, if right. it's before that time anyway. But I have, so I really enjoy beer or uh, wine from those years. And my theory behind that is because did you do you remember the giant volcanic eruption that happened in Iceland like a few, like a while back right yeah i think that was maybe like 2010 yeah 10 yeah uh because it was it was in the it was in april because it canceled coachella like half the artists that were going to coachella which is have you heard of coachella it's yeah. like a massive yeah. massive festival and um that was the fucking first year and only year I went there too because the lineup was just so killer. And then like pretty much everybody I wanted to see was coming from Europe and then I didn't get to see any of them. But then like my theory behind that is, is from that uh, giant, like because like that was over like a big chunk of the Northern Hemisphere that that affected. Right. Volcanic ash. And- yeah, yeah. So then that settling on the crops of Europe, uh-huh. like... Because it's carbon, and mm-hmm. carbon is what, like, essentially everything's made out of. So, well, like, uh, when no, that's... I guess it's not just the carbon, it's more the, the, the minerals. And, yeah, and the, the minerals sort of... and everything that, like, settled onto the crops. And then I feel like that helped the wine in those years, like, a lot. Make it just something more rich. And, and is this something full. you've heard or, or, or read, or is this just something that you thought of? Like, oh, no, like, I don't know if it's just that I'm more partial to older wines or, or not, but like, I specifically like, tw- like 2012 to 2013 are like my favorite times, like my favorite, mm-hmm. like years of wine to get. And they're well, kind of How much hard. does wine change in its time when it's just sitting there? 
Because what I mean is it's I guess impossible it depends on test. the wine because some wine like is meant to be drank by a certain date after it's bottled and then some of it can just sit and age and you can have a hundred year bottle it'll be change yeah so it just mm. depends it's very hard to compare is my point so when you say I really like them from these years that could be a case that you've got nothing to compare it with because what you'd need you would need some 10 year old wine but from a different decade and you can't have that so you're comparing it against younger wines in general and maybe yeah. that aging process has something to do with it as well as the time it was grown in well i don't know because i've been drinking wine a lot and then i've gotten the same brand of wine but then uh, at a later year like whether like it be like like 2013 is really like the cutoff point i don't know why like that's like the cutoff point for it but like i've gotten the same year but then yeah it is like a year or two younger of the same brand uh from 14 or 15 and you know, there's then, people listening who are serious into wine, just going, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, people take know. it so seriously, That's right? The, like that, oh yeah, sure. And I'm no expert by any means. I just know that I like those. Like, I, I've always had luck with those years. Whenever I buy those years, I'm happy about it. Well, I read something about wine tasting, and it was a long time ago, and I can't remember even where at. But it basically said there was some sort of test or study that showed that a lot of experts and people who you know use you know reviews and things like that in sort of objective examples they couldn't perform that well they weren't particularly good at any of the tests and it didn't they didn't seem to be experts and what it seems they do is they're very good artists you know they can write well with words you know if someone can say that elegant crisp of the, yeah. the flick of the, of the citrus on the end of your tongue just washes down the honeydew and leaving you with a sense of satisfaction you know it's do you want like to hear a real story like this is a real story i'm not even joking okay so my old roommate uh was this swiss guy and he was in what the fuck, uh, hospitality something and um we were having a drink with my old downstairs neighbor and like this kid was so good at it. like he drank the wine and knew where it was from and I like we both thought he was bullshitting and we had to get the bottle he's like oh he's like I know what wine this is this is from this from this company and it's from like this something from this side of the hill he said and we're like what from this side of the hill, like he got it that specific. We're like, that's insane. Are you getting mixed up with the scene in Inglorious Bastards where he's describing where he's from with the accent? Because <laughs> it sounds a little bit like that. No, 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 no. This has actually happened. And then we got the bottle and it said two of the things that he was talking about on there. It didn't say anything about what side of the hill, but he was two out of the three things that he said were on the bottle. So that's something and he didn't itself. see the bottle it, he couldn't no, have seen the bottle no 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 because like i've i believe like that like a lot of wine tasting mm. is just like in a, in people's mm, minds right. and stuff like that but then like that i was impressed with like i watched that happen mm. and it was a real thing mm. like he was spot on with mm. what like what the wine was where it was from mm. and then like to, he even mentioned the hill but well, of people, course that's not going to be on there people have natural talents and some people are going to have... But then he's also from Swiss and he's from near where that wine came from. So like it could have been luck that it was just like such a familiar, distinctive thing for his palate that he knew it and he just got lucky. But like, you got lucky. <laughs> There's a lot of bad things about Switzerland. 
But their flag's a big plus. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the bad things about Switzerland? I don't know, I just said that for the joke. <laughs> you're dumb. <laughs> oh, you're I mean, there's something inherently bad about just being... Um, not being neutral at certain times, but making a point that you're going to be neutral all the time. There's something a bit wrong about that that I, I don't like. And Ireland sort of did Well, but then similar. like that, that, that like takes them out of most conflicts. And like that's... Why, why can't the rest of the world be like that? Or more of the world? And then well, there, I would say... Then there would be less of us in other people's fucking business. I'd say it comes back to the fact that all it takes for evil to prevail is good men to do nothing. And the more neutral people there are, that's more good people doing nothing, and thus evil prevails. That's, like, how I see it. And fair enough, they're a small country. I get it. Like, they can't... And it's, it's politically expedient to be neutral, but maybe there is a morality behind neutrality that people don't consider. People maybe think, oh, that's just moral to be neutral you're staying out of it or amoral because it's but maybe i think it's maybe it's your duty like, not to be neutral but then i feel like it's also kind of the role that they play within like their own country and within the european union and just it, it is the role that they are within because yeah, they're, they're a banking country and they're a rich country and like that's where a lot of people put their money because that's where you can back your money by gold and make sure that your things are going to be safe because they have a notoriously Drink well expensive run. wine. Fuck, dude, when I went to Switzerland, I went into the store and I was going to buy a tall can of beer and it was like eight euros. I was like, what? Like, yeah. I was like, I was like, this can of beer is eight euros. It was five like Swiss francs or something, like, yeah. like five or six. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, what? Like this, I don't even want to drink now. So, I went to a oh. club and had to spend 45 euro on one fucking drink. I was so mad. Oh. <laughs> so imagine being there, living there and earning in Switzerland. So you're earning enough to sustain your life in Switzerland and then traveling to somewhere else in Europe you can you just your money's gonna go live so like far. a king, like a king. <laughs> like if you're used to paying eight dollars for a drink and then you come here and it's one Ooh, do you uh so I was doing a road trip through um Switzerland with my dad too and um we were we were driving from Geneva to Zurich and I was looking like <clears throat> I always look for like random fun things or abandoned things like I'm an urban explorer so I like <laughs> to find um, abandoned places to go explore or anything that's a little like out of the usual and um, I ended up finding outside of Zurich an abandoned amusement park that was uh, it's called Bruno Weber Park and since then it, like it's exchanged hands through sales a few times and nobody's like like a bunch of people have wanted like to restore it but nobody ever did I guess now it has been bought because when we got there um, we snuck in and I, like I was like dad you have to like you have to keep your head down you have to be like stealthy like because like there could be cameras like there could be somebody like walking like the grounds like security like you got to be on on your shit so like I was being all stealthy and then like I was like we were like walking up the uh pathway and then there was workers there so I was like dad touch go to the bushes go to the bushes so I ran into the bushes and I watched my dad just walk up to the people working he's like hey there <laughs> 
like so like neighborly like just like oh am i allowed to be in here is that a problem i already told him like that let's not even find out like let's just avoid where the people are that's a good strategy i think <laughs> yeah like so he sat and talked to the people and i got to explore like the property i went off and like did my own little thing because he, he, he knew i'd do some shit like that but this park is not just a theme park it was like some guy's art installation that turned into a park and was like this crazy creation and like all of the figures there were like crazy looking there was like lots of like like there was like mosaic art on it but then like the like the faces were all like crazy and weird like if you would be there at night it would be very scary like the faces like were all warped on the things they weren't normal like it was not a normal theme park by any means it was like somebody's kind of twisted nightmare fantasy kind of thing and like oh man it was so cool i hope that somebody like buys it and takes care of it and doesn't like decide to destroy it because it's like off on like a, a like a hill on a land that like you you can see that there's properties around it. It could very easily get bought out, bought out, and just wiped away. And would you like to buy some abandoned like wasteland? I would buy that and I would move there and I'd be happy about it. I'd never go anywhere again. Like just if I was gonna live, shoot, I'd bring people be. to me. Like I like I wouldn't like I would change my life to have something like that. You'd become a junkyard lady, like a sort of no. I'd up and it would be amazing a I theme just... park that's a fixer-upper <laughs> <laughs> so, so when I asked the question I thought you're saying yeah I could buy an abandoned you know old theme park live in it as an abandoned but what you're saying is no I'll get the, the funds to start a theme park no I would get an old abandoned one because that's even better but what would you do with it when you say fixer-up like just make your house nice at least just make it nice and the maintain whole thing. it like maintain it and, and it's wonderful glory like Bruno Weber Park would be something I would invest into and like maintain and take care of because it's like a giant art project over anything because it's so random it's so obscure and like creativity and individualism like that doesn't come along often and like that is somebody's masterpiece and life work and like I would just love to preserve something like that and not many things I feel that way about but occasionally but I, I lean towards like the alternative and the the anything that's outside of the box I like coloring outside of the lines well so. you dream of yourself as a clown and where I the, do and where would the clown <laughs> live in a, in a theme park an abandoned one laughing giggling how if only it wasn't in Switzerland, because then I'm sure it's, like, way, way, like, out of my, like, dream. I think theme park's a bit un- unrealistic, but you get Why? yourself an abandoned, uh, I don't know, nuclear silo. And, like, the parts that I don't maintain, I could, like, let it be overrun by nature, but then, like, maintain the nature and, like, have, like, vines that will grow up, like, over certain things and let nature and, like, modern design merge together in its beautiful (laughs) glory. (laughs) A beautiful glory. (laughs) Long-term goals. Okay. (laughs) Gosh, I want to go back there at some point so bad. So, Why did you tell me that again? I can't remember. What, how did we link to that? Because now I'm just imagining you as a clown. Because we're talking about Cause Switzerland. Because it's in Switzerland. It's in Switzerland. <laughs> right. That place is in Switzerland. Well, it's not so far. We could go there. See what they do with the place. My tattoo friends are in Switzerland too. Oh. And the guy who knows the wine. We should uh, 
Got some tips. Right. We could be no, cultured. No, he's in Amsterdam. But he is from Switzerland. I, I, I could learn to be cultured. I'm sure it impresses some people, you know, to know your wine. Right? Yeah. Like, because no, like when I hear most people talking about it, I'm like, no, no. Like, I feel like you're just making it up. And like, I've, I have always thought that that was like primarily made up until I saw somebody like know what they were talking about. And I was like, wow, that was amazing. <laughs> like, because that was amazing. Like, very impressive. Like that. I, th- I feel like that's so like once in a lifetime, though. Like, I feel like I'll never meet somebody else that could like do some shit like that ever again. Well, you, you did a blind taste test with me. On your birthday, and you did it with cheap champagne. Expensive oh, I think I was champagne. yelling at you. Mostly. You were yelling at me. You were so angry that I didn't appreciate expensive champagne as much as you do. And I was like, I appreciate it. And That's like, only not because enough. I was drunk. Because usually it doesn't matter to On me. On champagne, yeah, but she she was not happy. There's she two, was not happy. There's two times a year that I drink champagne. It's on my birthday and New Year's, and. I guessed it right. I am a hilarious, like, champagne drunk. I knew which one was the expensive one. I guessed right. So. Did you? I can't even recall. I I know that this happened, but. Well, I actually. The details are Which one is the expensive one? And I I guessed it right. And you know how I knew. But wasn't I, like, telling you to? No, what happened was, after I I tried all three, you instantly grabbed the glass with the expensive one and held it to your chest, like subconsciously holding it like a baby and then I was like well was that one the expensive one you're like yeah because you couldn't wait till the end of the experiment you couldn't wait till the end of the experiment to seize back what you love (laughs) oh I just I can't help it (laughs) I wear my emotions on my sleeves Mm. I totally do too express them but I I maintain them as well Call you bubbles from now on. It's <laughs> cute, right? It works. <laughs> Why do you call her bubbles? You'd like you'll be looking like all cute. So, isn't that the monkey's name? Michael Jackson's. Uh... <laughs> I'd be like Michael Jackson. <laughs> you'd be the monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is this serious? I think he had a monkey called Bubbles. <laughs> I think you're right. This sounds moderately familiar. These are fun, huh? <laughs> oh, we're both bouncing on chairs. They're very flexible <laughs> chairs. And we were just looking at each other and realized that we, have, we were sinking. We were beginning to sink. <laughs> and our bouncing chairs. I yeah. like them. Yeah, like, okay. Like, yeah, these are like unusually like flexible because like sometimes they're like stiff as fuck and mm. then like they're like more uncomfortable but when they bounce a little yeah. like... You're a little slower than me though. To slow down to. Well, yeah, I got a slower rhythm beat. than you do. Really? Kind of. Like, Depends, yeah. I, think. I don't know. I feel like I'm reserved, but excited all at the same time. I feel like I'm in. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like both, like, simultaneously. Is that okay? <laughs> However, you feel is okay. <laughs> Expecting anyone other than the criminally insane to understand it <laughs> is unreasonable. <laughs> Do you believe in giants? <laughs> May, do you believe in giants now that you've known me for a while and I've talked to you about it a lot? Or where's your standing? Um, if I was standing, I'd be standing on the shoulders of giants. Oh. Meaning, meaning you. Right, meaning if you'd asked me that a while ago, I'd have said no. Now I would 
probably say, what do you mean by giant? Because... Bigger I, than what we have per average on the planet believe, today without gigantism. I believe there will, will have been uh, races or subspecies of, of humanoids that were all larger than we are now at some point in history. Now, whether you decide that's giant or not, but I think there will have been ones that were considerably larger. Yes. Because in general, when I ask this question to people, usually I get like, I would say 90% of, or maybe even more of the people that I ask if they believe in giants, they all say no. And giants are considered like mythology and everything. And I had asked my friend, uh, Dino, the other day, if um, he believed in giants. And he was one of the first people that I could remember him saying like, yeah, yeah, totally. And I was like, really? Like, really? Why do you? Like, it was so weird. And he was like, yeah, they're in stories and in mythologies, but they're talking about real and... He, he was like, yeah, giants, giants used to, like, were real. They used to walk the planet. I believe in that. And that, like, that made my heart really happy that there are still people that do believe in it because I feel like, yeah, like, all you have to do is change a story for two generations and then history is rewritten. Like, it, it happens so, so fast. Well, you should change your phrasing in the question because when you say, do you believe in giants? To me, it sounds like, do you believe in Santa Claus? Do you believe in the Tooth Fairy? Do mm, you believe? You're but right. what you could say is, um, do you believe that giants once existed? Because now you're not asking if they exist now. You're making it very clear that maybe they don't exist now, but they might have. And it just doesn't sound the same as, yeah, 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 as yeah, yeah. hey, do you believe in? Which usually is the, the, the part of... Which usually is how you would phrase a question about something medical. Good. Thank you for that. No, I will do it that way from now on. <laughs> Reprogramming. But, but I, I know that you've heard my spiels on this before, but for anybody that hasn't heard it, um, so for any people that are in disbelief of giants or are question uh, their existence, um, we all know about the pygmy people. And actually, where are pygmy people from? I can't remember what they're like. Multiple places on the world, Africa, Indonesia, the Philippines, uh, Andaman, uh, the, oh, sorry, <laughs> the, uh, and, the Andaman Island. So the pygmy people have been documented in multiple places on the, like, on our planet. And we know it, like, we, it, like, even if you've never researched them, you know the name pygmy people. Right, you know they're tiny. Yeah, like it's a it's a race of small people, and they've like apparently they've been there's been multiple races of them all like all over the planet. So that's going from Africa to Asia, which is a pretty long thing. And then also um, the ra uh, the last race of giants that we have documented and in books and textbooks, and you can still see the remnants of their their not like their buildings or however have you where they used to live um are the guanches from the canary islands and when do the guanches die out when do the guanches die um 1496 is when they like went away so that's not that long ago like in the retrospect of things so that was the last and 
it took them a hundred years to die out. So, because the Spanish went there, but then it's uh, so they were the Guanches of the Canary Islands, and which island were they on? Like the main island, and um, Tenerife, and um, Tenerife is full of mountains and gorges, and it has like all different landscapes there, so you can like maintain living there in secret in many a different places. And I've seen documentaries of like where the like the caves that the Guanches were in, and where like the last like bundles okay. of them like died off and everything like that and they also have the bones and the skeletons of the guanches right. and the guanches averaged i do believe between eight and ten feet so and that was the average so why do people disbelieve if there's you know skeletons i feel like it's just because for so okay so apparently from my research is um since um Christianity and Catholicism took over and started going north into like the UK or like Britain, Britannia at the time or whatever. Um, that it was when, um, what do you call it? Catholicism or uh, came in and kind of changed everything and started demonizing um, the idea of giants. <laughs> just move everything around when I do things I'm sorry no so I think it was um, religion that came in and started demonizing the idea of them and then also the fact that they've died off which turns them more into mythology than anything I just don't understand why it's not taught more factually and um, people ask well where's the proof and where are the bones it really depends on where you are because in America there there was lots of Proof, there was lots of documentation and it's all been taken away and it's been proven that it's been taken away by the Smithsonian and then it disappears. But then in South America, there's, they have their own governments, so they've been able to maintain a lot of their relics and stuff. So, and they have giant elongated skulls and different um, skeleton, like big bodied skeletons and that are just a different... That the are, giants. Yeah, yeah. So... And then I also believe that like there could have been a race of even bigger giants than that. What people, the, the real fantasy idea that people have in their mind of like 15 to 20 feet tall. I do believe that that could have been a thing at one point as well. But that would have been much longer ago. Because like I'm able to perceive um, timelines of 12,000 years to 24,000 years. And like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot and happen in that time like evolution happens in that time like a lot of things like what would be the evolution cycle of the um say the 20 the 10 meter giant so i can imagine a long time ago and then he would have to sort of evolve down into what our primate homo sapien homo right he well, down into that i mean i can see i can see that logically but the idea of there being humanoid 10 meter creatures within the same time period as we we know in our development i.e the neanderthal the homo sapien no but that's why i say like you have to be able to look back into the history of our planet and perceive a bigger timeline because even we know that dinosaurs existed we've seen their their bones in uh, museums um, well, not everyone but, believes that. They think that's a hoax. Well, I guess the same people who think the dinosaurs <laughs> are a hoax probably think the giants are real, but that's been covered up. So they're covering up the giants, but I know the people dinosaurs. like it's so funny how like. <laughs> 
But that's just people being disconnected because you can take bits of information from different things, from religion, from science, and you can merge it together. And people are acting like they can't intertwine these things. And like some of the best scientists are religious scientists that are able to conceive notions of both sides of the spectrum. So, and then there's non-religious scientists, not to say that there, there's non-religious scientists that aren't more superior to the religious ones, but like, uh, that, but then some of them could be cut off in their perception of things because they only understand things in a, an approvable scientific way versus. Yeah. So. It's specialization as well. Like I know, I know you made me think about the timeline exactly everyone knows about dinosaurs and most people could tell you it was 65 million years ago that they got wiped out yeah, okay yeah yeah then things started to evolve uh, mammals came out as the age of mammals began you know and, and they, they they came out because all the large predators were dead and the re you know there's a re-evolution process is what i'm saying but that's a re-evolution <laughs> well like you know just so i would i would go as far as reset. to say de-evolution i feel that we have been in a devolving state for a while and uh, i believe a great part of that is due to our atmosphere changing as well and just the planet itself in the cycles that it goes through and the changes that it goes through affects the life on the planet as well and the atmosphere used to be so different a million years ago versus now so that is going to have a, a huge impact on the creatures that live there so i believe that we have been in a devolving state for a long time Our, like the the since the dinosaurs and since the the climate changing things have been getting smaller because the climate had to be so different and enriched with all the bullshit that like it had back then to where things could sustain being bigger versus there's less of that in the air. So to adapt and evolve, you have to devolve at the same time. And it's not to say one like default devolution is bad or anything. It's just could be what's happening. Or you could argue that it's evolution and then you're getting smaller to be able to maintain your breath better, to be able to survive, to be able to move faster versus slower. But then like your faster is covering less distance than maybe the slow because you're bigger. And like, I wonder what that would be, or you're just maintaining that balance of about the same or however it may be. But since dinosaurs, animals have been getting smaller and smaller and yeah, smaller yeah, that's, that's in, ad true. in adaptation to things. Absolutely So true. why wouldn't that happen to us? Which brings in my theory of bigger giants before versus well, there's, now. There's but then there's also different races on the planet, which people forget. Just like big people, small people, in between. There's different races, different evolutions. People pocket in different places. Some stunts, some keep going. So lots of variables involved. Well, there's two... two main reasons why animals are smaller so you had a lot bigger insects when the when the the atmosphere was different and mm -hmm. they could breathe bigger so now there's a physical limit to how big an insect can get because it can't breathe properly if it gets too big and the second is humans killing everything so whenever humans started to migrate and travel and be well enough that we could work in tribes and hunt effectively we basically started killing out every apex predator mm. so the saber-toothed tigers you know a thing that existed around men killed hunted it if we found one we'd, it, well because we went that turned into modern big cats though so we didn't 
man didn't wipe it out completely. But we sure are doing it now to what we got left on the planet. Well, I think they were different. <laughs> I think you had a lot more different subspecies. You know, there's always shared ancestry. And then there was also cataclysms in between, so. Yeah. Ca so cataclysms, human nature. <laughs> too little or too much oxygen. What you're saying is we're very... We're very lucky that we can breathe it at all with all this change, you know? It's lucky that it hasn't changed so dramatically that... Do you think that we can affect our own evolution? Like, of, well, of course. more than just inadvertently, but like, of on purpose? Well, you could make a distinction between the words evolution and natural selection. And some people would. I don't think we need to. Okay. But the, but the idea... No, but I mean, I guess like... Do you well, think if we were to like pump more moisture in the air, like eventually we would grow gills? No, I'm just kidding. That's an extreme example, but... The, the point <laughs> is, when people say stuff like that, I think it, it would happen in a normal environment. So if you did change it that much and then came back millions of years later, if that species had survived, then that's what would happen. But I think what's happening right now is that we're the main driving force in, in most mammals and humans for sure is sexual selection it's not really our environment that's choosing who lives and who survives it's not really that of course it does happen if you're too dumb and you get hit by a rock then you're out the gene pool and that that was your environment but most of the time it isn't that it's sexual selection and most of that's who women choose or can be able to mate with which men you know that's kind of how it's been so sexual selection is kind of what we're doing there and then with modern with the modern world we can even steer that even further so we can incentivize certain people to have more children than others which is certainly true in most of the west that there's a correlation with your intelligence or at least your um, financial success or career success and the amount of children you have mm -hmm. so the if you're a, if you're a doctor and a lawyer well, you might like have that, one child. That, that boils down to a simple notion to me and it's not to like like your priorities are different, your focus is different. Like it, like it boils down to simple things as well that that has an effect on. But then, also, yeah, that that is a very so these two factors: the sexual selection and the maybe societal manipulation of who who breeds more. Those things are in essence natural selection, and they are shaping the next generation. You you've seen Idiocracy, right? I think, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, that's pretty much, that is exactly how it is, I guess. That's what happens in it, right? Whoever has, hasn't seen Idiocracy, you should absolutely see it because it it makes a very valid, hilarious Well, that's kind point. of what happened. But obviously, <laughs> there's, bigger, there's bigger considerations when you're talking about the long-term future of humans, and that's I don't think that's up there in the top five. It's something to think about, but I don't <laughs> think when you're thinking long-term about how humans are going to... <laughs> survive or evolve I don't think that's a major concern for us are you like, sure? uh, I think there's other things at play like the, the the science we have to affect the human body now you know we we could clone a person and I'm sure people have been cloned it's not legal so no one's coming out and saying we did it but we we cloned a sheep I think in 1998 yeah and I think everyone's like, hey, and you can clone mice, and you can clone everything. And you think, well, humans are a bit more complex, right? But not that much more. 
Like if they could do that 23 years ago. So is stem cell research like still a thing? Like I'm assuming yeah, nobody talks so. about it, but is it legal in the UK? I'm not too sure. And I think there's some good applications for stem cells because stem cells are just those cells that are able to adapt, I think, better. So I don't think there's necessarily a moral concern there. But the truth is, it's all a house of cards. You know, the system is saying, but who knows who's really doing this stuff? Like... Alex Jones will have you know that the Chinese are doing animal-human hybrids. And you think, wow, that sounds a bit wild. But then again, do you accept that some governments are doing things that are internationally illegal but they feel could benefit their country? Yeah, for sure. sure. Okay, and I so... even feel like that's like... I don't want to say necessary, but I feel like that, like, why not? I don't know. I don't hate that. I don't hate China. I don't hate their nonsense. <laughs> Like, they got, like, there's, like, pros and cons, but at least somebody's doing it. <laughs> I don't know, like... <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't really know what that means. It's like, I don't know, like, why not? Like, if you, if you're, if you have science behind it, like, what can you create? Well, that's what I mean. I think that, that sort of considerations are gonna overshadow. Because, like, look at stem cell research. So I, just, I looked it up and I, because uh, I remember there was a big, like, hoopla in America about it uh, and wanting to ban stem cell research. But then, like, I, I never agreed with that. Like, but, like, a lot of people are, are really against it. And then, like, that will correlate into the vaccine, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but um, I was always kind of for stem cell research because uh, for the simple fact that, like, even in, um, the, the pagan times uh like people would eat the placenta after birth like the afterbirth and it does have a lot of amazing things for your body and nutrients like and things like that yeah yeah but like it really does hold a lot within it and that's where you get uh stem cells from it so like i i always thought that it was a super interesting research and why not i've donated stem cells really yeah how they drill into your spine. Nah. -uh. Yeah. Nah. -uh, really? Yeah. Nah. -uh. Uh huh. I don't believe you. Yeah, I give it to some kid who was sick. Probably leukemia, but I don't know. Really? Yeah. You don't know that. I thought I was just reminding you that you look like you. <laughs> Whoa! No, I didn't know that. Yeah, man, they put you to sleep. They're very nice to you in the hospital, of course, because they know that you're donating. So they're very, I have to say, I was trapped very nicely. Well, yeah, no, that's like, that's <laughs> a hero's thing to do, you know? It hurt, but it wasn't like so traumatic because I don't, I wasn't, you know, scared about going under or anything. So to me, it was just deal with a bit of pain I went, for oh a my few, God. few I days. I was terrified of that. So. I think I'm just terrified of not being in control, though. I think that's a different thing. <laughs> I, I get that, but I think that idea of not being in control is, is when you maybe suspect that someone's going to do a worse job than you could do. And when I get into a hospital and I'm doing that, or, or I slash my arm open or whatever, at that point, it's like, he's going to do a better job yeah. than me. And <laughs> even though there's risk, there's no point me worrying about that because I can't do anything about it. I can't like tell him, oh, buddy. You know when you're stitching this up? Well, you just remember to get it extra tight. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, oh, that nice tip. I'm glad you said something. Like, there's nothing you can do, so you can just I give do. all I up. say that. I say things like that to talk to her. <laughs> As, 
Are you sure this is enough? Like you could always up this. Give me twice as much. I, I think this would be fine. You think or you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Giants. Well, I guess they would have a lot of stem cells, so maybe we could clone them, use their stem cells to save our... Because, yeah, isn't that the thing that they want to bring back, like, woolly mammoths or something? Because we have, like, their, their, essentially, their, something like their descendants still around. So we could, in theory, possibly impregnate an elephant with a woolly mammoth. Well, they were talking about that in the 90s. Where on earth would it live? All the elephants are in warm places now. <laughs> what if we start, like... I have to shave it. Oh, no. Like, now I'm, like... Okay, like, anybody that's some kind of fucking activist is going to not like this thought. But, like, could you imagine bringing a bunch of elephants to, like, a cold place and, like, breeding them in cold places? Like, first you put them in jackets. But then, then out of time... This is brilliant. <laughs> this is brilliant. You put the jackets on the big ones, but then over time, they learn because they grew up in it. Like, do you think in time that they would start getting, like, like fur, like, growing fur, like, slowly? Yeah. Like, it would be, like, a slow process, of course. Like, You'd it's have evolution. to move up slowly through Europe. It would be the, the great project of the 20s. You'd be like, 2025, the elephants are here this year. Mm -hmm. They'd be in Norway, you know? They'd be like, the elephants got here. <laughs> They're off, off, they're off into the Arctic Circle next year. Their final stop before they get the full fleece. Uh, yeah, because you'd have to like migrate them slowly too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Putting snowshoes on. You know, someone made a joke about animal endangerment and they said, you know what, if we just start eating them, people will breed them. Like, there's an elephant problem. If you start eating and making no. like, I am telling you, there will not be a shortage of elephants. Oh my God. I mean, they're a bad example because they're huge. You know, they're the biggest. They're going to take a while to mature. You know, you, you want a smaller. What's, what's endangered that's small? There's a restaurant in Arizona that like serves exotic animals. I mean, it's a and like and like usually like they've died from like natural causes or something or something or something like I don't know exactly what but it's not like mm -hmm. super inhumane or anything but you know what I'd be totally for I'd be totally for replacing factory farming with synthetic grown or produced meat but that not being the norm like people still want real meat but they should get it from more like a farm like not like huge disgusting. so you're talking about like vegetarian meat or you're talking about like well it would be vegetarian giant so. farming like but it's no it wouldn't be like because that's could, what's happening like in the future surely you could grow meat you could just grow a steak like the genetic like it's getting fed like a, like an animal but it's got no nervous system or a brain isn't that what like kentucky fried chicken in america is kind of doing is exactly what you're talking about <laughs> i mean i don't know I no <laughs> they were like on their way to doing something like that <laughs> I don't know, like, about the long-term effects of something like that, though. Like, and if it's going to actually, like, hold its vitamins and minerals the way it's supposed to. Yeah, it's, it's a <coughs> tricky science. You may be right. So, I mean, essentially, like, you can make veggie burgers that have, like, the vitamins and minerals and things that you put in there. Like, the consistency and density would have to be a thing. But, essentially, you could do that. And then... 
That would be nice though if people ate less meat. Like that would be better. Factory farming is terrible. Like that's like the one of the worst things yeah. in the whole world. In the whole wide world, that's one of the worst possible things. That has stopped humans from being human beings. I swear to God. Mm. Like shit like that, like it's too much. Like that's factory farming is insane to me. I mean I've always agreed with that, but do I have to write it in the project book? He sounded it sounded really important then. And factory farming should be in the project book. Like for it's a big our future? One. Yeah, it's a big one though. Oh wow! Okay, that's that. Like those are like you put to the, on a shelf. Like you can think of it, but like that's like that's I, big goals. I'm like, just saying I could write save the cows tonight <laughs> on the book. <laughs> I could always scribble it up. No, like that. Like that fudge. There is like that's what got kind of protests rocking and rolling in America again. Was it started with like factory farming and people trying to peacefully like. Um, be like, hey, like we we see what's going on here. Fix the conditions and like, uh, like local lawyers and patrons getting together yeah, and peacefully doing things. Yeah, yeah, Show yeah. some basic. Cause like that's like, I feel like yeah, like people like they do need a little bit of nature and animals in their life to be. Cause like it's the circle of life. Like we're all part of this planet. And I feel like we need to be able to have a respect and a connection somewhat with those things or we lose our connection a little bit with ourselves. And that's just how I personally feel is like if you, because some people just look at like animals like they're dumb and like they don't matter or, or it's just food or your pet dog, like why are you going to be so nice? So it's just, the, it's just the dog, you know, like a lot of people are, are quite dissociated from, from, their, yeah. their respect from like what's around them mm-hmm. in, the, in the same sense that they'll go and cut down a tree and not like mm-hmm. replace it or like mm-hmm. not care how many trees they're cutting down or how they're affecting the environment and that dissociates us <clears throat> from not only what's around us but ourselves and I feel like that's a big thing of a part of it and we were even talking about it the other day like Scandinavian people per capita have some of the smartest people um like for their like in their countries and I part of my theory behind that like my first thought when I learned that was I feel like it's because they're so immersed in nature there. Like, even their big cities are surrounded by nature in a way that, like, not all big cities are. And I feel like just having some kind of connection to that. Like, in Scandinavia, people still use yodeling to gather their sheep, which is sound resonance through the land, which is nature, animals, and you all combined coming together. So just like, like completely losing your connection to that or not even realizing that it's an important factor can like, it, like, I feel like people should remember that and know that. And they, there's even a trick that they say, like when you're going to a new place that has a different time change or something, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to go outside and find like, um, a grass like grass or dirt or like natural something and you're supposed to stand in it for 10 minutes barefoot and it helps you like adjust to the the place that you're in I, I, I've done that before and I feel like it helps but I'm very mind over matter with things so I can tell myself to do things and it'll work for me and not everybody has that ability so. well I think it's great <laughs> to end the show on a little bit of advice and Are you cutting me off? It is is winter to a lot of listeners. 
Yeah. Be careful. Don't stand out for too long. <laughs> no, my doctor actually said I have to cut you off after an hour. So, see you later. Whatever. Fine. Till the next time. If you made it through an entire episode of Natasplat, well done you. You can find more of us all over the internet and at natasplat.com. See you later.